You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black. Okay, what up? Welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I'm honored. Today I have with me... Luther Broughton. What up, Luther? Oh, just another day in the neighborhood. No, I feel you. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And also, before I I get into your career and your life, um, I know Ed Smith. Really? That's my guy, man. I I played with Ed in in Philly for a little uh, while, and we've stayed in touch. Uh, Good guy. uh, Really good guy. I was on his show two weeks ago. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so good guy, man. I can't wait to get back out to Arizona so I can link up with him. Oh my gosh, he's been he's been awesome to me. That's good. Um, he's a good guy. That I wouldn't be I'm not surprised at all. Oh, I love to hear that. All right, Luther. So first off, I know this is corny, but I see that you're a Sagittarius. Do you play into any of that? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, the only thing my birthday is that's that's kind of I play into is it's a it's a Thanksgiving birthday so Mm -hmm. it's it's always some not always but a lot of times it's some built-in vacation already set I'm already not working Mm -hmm. you know possibly with family so it's cool but I'm not I'm not I'm not really into that (laughs) that's fair that's fair I get it but hey I don't have anything against it either well just fun facts. I'm a Sag too, so. Oh, cool. When's your birthday? I'm the December 10th. Oh, yeah. So right I'm in there. The yeah, 10 days. In, in between all the, the holiday fun. I don't know. I think it's fun. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, at least it's not. Mine isn't that close to Christmas where I get that yes. double, double dip yeah. birthday. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I know. I know. I still kind of feel it too. But anyways, anyways. Yeah, okay. two weeks off. I know, which is crazy that as we record, I record in advance, you guys, that like we're approaching Halloween and then I feel like once Halloween hits, it's over, you know? Yeah, it's, it comes fast. Yeah, it does. Okay, so I always, <laughs> I always um, ask, you know, where were people uh, born slash where'd you grow up? So okay, I, you're, you're going to have to edit that one out. I, oh, please, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Come on. Come on. Uh, That's the kind of humor I enjoy. Okay, so I know you were born in Charleston. Did you stay there or were did you were you just born and then relocated or grew up? I was born in Charleston. I grew up in Berkeley County, which is the neighboring county. I'm from the sticks. Um and I'm proud to be from the sticks. I know a lot of times people will ask me if they're if they're not from this area, mm-hmm. I'll say Charleston. But I'll clarify. I I, I claim what I claim. I, I, I claim where I'm from. I'm country boy, love where I grew up, love my past. And uh but if if I'm in, in like when I lived in Jersey, Philly, people would ask me and I would go Charleston. I would go, I was born in Charleston. But I, but because no one knows where Hugey, South Carolina is outside of, uh, outside Um, of us. So, uh, but yeah, I I, I was born in Charleston. I grew up in Berkeley County, which was, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 miles. I don't know. Not even that far. 
So yeah, I'm a Carolina kid. What's up? Me too. Where okay. are you from? I'm born and raised in Charlotte. Oh, you are a Carolina girl. I know. I know people are like, where's your accent? I'm like, I have no idea. I lived in Florida for a little bit. I, I, well, I've lost most of my Charleston accent. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It is what it is. I, I have noticed, I will say though, when I get around other real Southerners, it comes up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. When I'm home, it's it's easy for me to, to it's easy to come back because everyone else is talking like that. Everyone in Charlotte, we, we have our own accent. We have our own speak down there. And it's, uh, when I see someone, when I'm outside of uh, the South and I see someone, they can tell. But when I'm home, I'm not nearly, it's not nearly as thick as anyone at, at home. So I've been gone for, since I was 17. Right. So there's that. Well, before we get into football, I'm always curious because I love studying, you know, anthropology essentially, and was wondering since you are from the South and I know you played up North, what do you appreciate? Do you appreciate the Southern kind of gentleness or do you appreciate the Northern? I'm going to tell you like it is. I appreciate both, but I, I, I really think I kind of appreciate more the I'm going to tell you like it is. I rather I rather dance with the devil I know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want the, the devil to be hidden right in front of me. Oh, you're so nice from the South. And meanwhile, two steps later, they're like, oh, I hate his face. Uh, like, right. I don't like that. I am pretty blunt, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes... You know, people don't like that, especially like in a professional environment. But I'm not, because especially here in the South, it's taken as rude. And it's like, no, like, that's what you want to hear. You want to know that, right? If you're asking me if your outfit is cool, what, what do you really want the answer from me? Or, you, or do you want confirmation? If we're friends and you're asking me if your outfit is cool and I, and I don't think it is, I'm going to be like, dude, you need to change. I, I don't see anything well, wrong with that. Like, I, I, I prefer you tell me, Luther, what are you wearing? Like, what is that? And I can go, oh, is it that bad? And, and yes, before I get outside and someone else sees me and go, what that, What is he wearing? That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not rude. I'm not, I'm not offering up, I don't know, fashion advice, but amongst friends, we're honest. And I, I just, I prefer honesty. I don't, I know sometimes that will rub people the wrong way, but Whatever. I prefer, I don't want to continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over because you're being nice to me. What if, what if I always come in the office and I'm just picking a body part here? I'm not talking to, and I say, Ooh, I look at your cute nose. What if you really have a problem with your nose, right? And I'm saying this over and over again, and it's bringing attention to your nose. And on the inside, you just want to scream, right? And we work together and we've been working together for five years and I've been doing this for four years. You have four years of just wanting to punch me in the balls, right? Instead of you just saying, Luther, I don't like that. I'm sensitive about my nose. You're not saying, Luther, I hate you. You're just 
that's a correction that's needed. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times people don't do that. And I don't understand it. I don't understand. It's just, that's not rude. It's not mean. I don't hate you. It's just, eh, I don't like that. And we're fine. But keep it moving, right? Yeah, I keep it moving. And and so to answer your question, I do like, like I'm from here. I, I like, I moved back. I stayed. Clearly like it here, right? But I prefer the honesty. Just be blunt. Tell me you don't like me. Tell me you like me. Tell me, uh, you know. Uh, and then I can avoid you. I can, if if I'm if I'm in a group and that's where at work and we have this lunch crew and and I'm and we're always going out with five people and there's the one person who just doesn't like me. I don't know this. We're all together. I'm being cordial. I'm talking to this person. Meanwhile, he, he, she doesn't want to talk to me. I don't know. I, I can avoid this by just not going to lunch with that crew. Or that person could have, but they decide not to tell me they want to fake it and be fake nice. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Right. I, I can stay away. I, I, you know, if it's my wife who doesn't like me, like, that's a problem. <laughs> if it's a person from work who doesn't, that's not much of a problem. We can just go on our merry way. No, I agree. I, I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. And I think when I was younger, I'm not sure, but I think as I've gotten older, I'm like, tell me like it is. It'll save us a lot of time. You're right. I cared before, before I was bothered, but not before, like I'm 47 years old. I'm about to be 48. But mm-hmm. I remember there was a time where I was bothered. I wanted everyone to like me like oh why don't you like me i was nice like i don't care i promise you i don't care i'm not mean i don't care we could all still be happy mm-hmm. so uh, and also too on that note before i move on um i always tell people don't ask a question you don't want the answer to right correct correct don't don't ask a question you don't want the answer to if you want the answer if you want we can be honest, like, I'll tell you. So, whatever. Hashtag Sagittarius. <laughs> true, true, true. Okay, so at what point did you start playing ball? Slash, when did you know oh, that you gosh. were good at it? I've been playing, I, I probably had a ball out of the womb. Like, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my, fa- I have a very athletic family. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying this to try to be modest. I, I was the one that ended up playing the NFL. I wasn't the best. And I play ball because one, my cousins, both of my grandparents uh-huh. had over 10 kids. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. So we all grew up kind of in the same area. So it was a ton of us. Yeah. So there was always a, a, something to do. And we were always playing ball or riding bike or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Country boys, we're in the woods, we're playing ball, we're riding bike. And there was a ball around. So my cousins were good. So I wanted to do what they did, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to do what they did. And I started playing ball and I grew into it. I'm not a small guy. Even you don't have to be big, but I grew into it. But the thing that's funny is I'm a basketball junkie. I played football professionally, but I'm a basketball junkie. That's all I wanted to do. I quit in high school, and my football coach talked me back into it. I almost quit in college, and it's not because I dislike football. It's because all I wanted to do my entire life was play basketball. 
But um, to, to answer your question, I can't tell you when it started. I've always had a ball in my hands. I was a bit of a nerd. I was a bookworm, but I had a ball in my hand, a, a ball in one hand, a book in the other hand. So it was it was easy for me to be like my cousins. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just essentially part of your life. It was part always. of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a ball around. We we had a ball around. If we didn't have a basketball goal, we would stick one up on a tree. Like we we found a way. Mm-hmm. We would play what we called it baseball, but really stick ball. And you know, we would make our bases. We would. It was just like uh, any other league. It's it's a uh, home field rules. That's a home run over here where it is a lake. We can't go in there, so that's a home run. That's a foul at Miss So and So's house. Like, mm-hmm. so we balled, and uh, that kept us it kept us out of trouble. Like, we balled. The only trouble we get into was fighting during the games. Like, who doesn't do that? Like, yeah, absolutely. A little scrap here and there. So I know you said that um, in college you went to Furman, played ball there, and you said that at one point you. Wanted to quit or you did quit? Oh, I wanted to quit. I just, I wanted to play basketball. I I quit in high school. I I quit in high school. Okay. And my high school coach talked me into coming back. But when I, I, when I ended up at Furman, I wanted to play both sports and, you know, it's, it's, it's a serious business. It's not high school where you can not be halfway in one and halfway out of the other. And I, I didn't realize that because I was 17 years old when I got to college. I skipped a grade and I was young and I thought it was easy. You can just play both sports. It's not. So once I realized you had to pick. that I, I, I wanted to play basketball, I really, I just, it was like, I want to play basketball. I'm going to transfer and play basketball. And, um, hey, Basketball helped me be who I am, though. So it's uh, here I go. Here I here I am. I love that. So um, before we wrap up college, you know, I have talked to athletes um, for a little bit now, and was wondering since you have a love of both sports, do you feel like one sport is more camaraderie? You know what I mean? Do you feel that your teammates more and more than the other? I swear I think it's football and it's because it's just more of us. Uh It's just more of us uh, and it's uh, basketball guys are different from football guys. Basketball guys are more in my my experience, more Uh prima donnas, uh, more sensitive, pretty boys. Football Uh guys, they're just like, let's go. Let's go. Crazy. Uh Half of us are fat. We don't care and not vain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Oh man. Okay, so obviously wrapping up, like you you go to end college. Is that something that you're preparing to go into the NFL, or like how does that merge over? Okay, so we get to college, and um, you know, you, you you take your three, four, five years, whatever you do. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you realize you might be able to play on that level. I went to Furman. We didn't have a guy playing the NFL drafted for 15 years before me, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't go to Furman with the idea that I was going to the NFL. Right. Okay? So 
There was a guy from my high school, uh, Robert Porsche. He he was a first round pick at Alliance, and uh, he called me. He was at our high school one day. I was home. It might I I don't know. It might have been uh, after Christmas, wh- whatever it was. Um, and my mom said, "Hey, we called him LB for Little Bob, even though he was a giant." And my mom said, "LB's." In so-and-so's class, he wanted to talk to you. And, and he said, everybody called me by my middle name at home, which is Richard. My dad's name is Luther. So I didn't answer to Luther, which was funny when I got to college. People thought I was rude because I didn't answer to Luther because no one called me Luther for 17 years. So I had to get used to it. It was funny. Coach was like, you don't hear me? And I was like, oh, shoot. I told you guys. It doesn't that, register. Yeah. It doesn't register. But anyways, so he's like, Richard. You can play in our league. You can play on Sundays. You got to give up that basketball, man. There are no 6'2", 250 point guards in the NBA. And I'm like, huh? Like, so then I got back to Furman and my coach was Bobby Johnson. And he had gone to uh, Clemson for one year to be the defensive coordinator. And he came back as the head coach at Furman. And he Mm -hmm. called me in his office and he said, look, Luther, when I was at Clemson, obviously a, a power five school, NFL scouts there all the time. He said, look, I had coaches coming in asking me about my kid, which from Furman. He said, everybody wanted to know about my kid from Furman. Can he play? Is he really that good? Uh uh, because we think he's good. What you've seen him in person, you've had him for a few years. I think he can play on Sundays. And coach came in and he said, Luther, when, you know, are you going to give up basketball? Are we going to focus on football? Because I think you can play on Sundays, right? Which is code for playing in the NFL, if you don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Viewers. Um, But so I finally was like, all right, like, maybe I can play on Sundays. So I... Gave up basketball. I played basketball at Furman. I played one, the one year, and then I, I ended up not going back out because I wanted to put it all into football. And, it, you know, it's a grind. I Because I, at Furman, that's not some institution where you can just drag through classes. You're going to have, you know, it's the athletes are not getting by. You're gonna to have to study. You're gonna so I I put all my focus in the books and and, and football, and uh, we had a strength coach who was a machine, and his name is Joey Batson. He's now the strength coach at Clemson. He's been at Clemson since my senior, after my senior year. He went to Clemson. He's still there. He's a freaking legend. I got lucky and I had him for three years, and he turned me into a man. Like like. You know, he treated me tough. He was tough with me, tough love, but, you know, all love. Still talk to him. And uh, I just, I focused and I trained and I ran and I lifted and I trained and I ran and I lifted. And uh, after the season, I didn't get invited to the combine, to the NFL combines, which was disappointing because I felt like I was one of the best tight ends available. But I was like, whatever. We can, we can, we'll figure this out. And I ended up uh, getting drafted uh, out of uh, Furman. And nobody had been drafted out of Furman for, I don't know, 
13, 15 years, and I didn't even get invited to the combine. So that, like, I felt like I, I proved something there. So um, that's kind of my story. Um, so you get drafted in 97, is that correct, with the Eagles? I got drafted in 97 by the Eagles in the fifth round, pick 155. And uh, I spent time with the Eagles. And at the end of the season, we had a ton of injuries. And uh, I got cut and put on the practice squad. And the uh, Panthers, they they actually wanted to draft me. Mm -hmm. Uh, After I talked to them, they said they, you know, they told me they wanted to draft me. And they will be scouring the waiver wires. If the Eagles cut you, we're going to sign you. And what's funny is I was at Furman. We had played San Francisco. I was visiting Furman because I wasn't playing. I I wasn't going to dress and, you know, I didn't travel. And uh, so I'm at Furman and crazy coincidence, I get there and this guy is looking at me. He's watching practice and he goes, Luther? And I go, yeah. And I get closer and it's Chris Polian. Chris Polian is the son of Bill Polian, who was the GM for the Panthers. And he said, what are you doing here? He said, I've been, he said, I know this sounds terrible, but I've been hoping that the Eagles cut you all year because we wanted to pick you up. And on the way to the airport, back to Philadelphia that night, leaving practice, I'm telling you how old I am. I got a page from my position coach, not a text message because I didn't have a cell phone. Most people did. I got a page on my pager and I went to a payphone at the airport. Yes, a payphone and called coach back, Juan Castillo. And he said, he called me, he always called me Lou Man. And he, he's, um, Juan is Juan Castillo. Juan's Mexican and his accent is thick. And he goes, Lou Man, I can't, I'm not even going to try to do his accent. He goes, Lou Man, he always called me Lou Man. Did you get a call yet? And I'm like, no. He said, where are you? I said, I'm at the airport on the way back to Philly. He said, no one's called you? And I said, coach, I don't have a cell phone. He's like, you got one of those hip things. And I was like, you mean my pager that you just called? And I said, yes. And he said, well, someone's going to call you. And and apparently, obviously, he couldn't, it wasn't his job to tell me. It was someone in management's job to tell me that they were going to cut me and put me on a practice squad, whatever it was. So he was like, look, um, I forgot who it was. He was like, Maybe it was Joe Van. He was like, Joe or somebody's going to call you. He said, when you when you land at the airport, come to the office. I said, Juan, it's me and you on the phone. I'm not going to tell anybody. I said, what's up? He said, well, you watch the game. I said, yeah, I know we got a ton of guys hurt. And he said, well, look, we need a roster spot. We're probably going to, uh, we're going to cut you and put you on the practice squad if you clear waivers. And I said, I get it. I understand I'm the fourth tight end on a packed roster. And so I get back to Philly and uh, they get, call me in the office and they're like, look, we released you, but we don't, we, we still like you. We think you can develop. Um, and um, if you clear waivers, if no one else picks you up, 
tonight we're assigning you back to the practice squad. Nothing changes for you. And nothing changed at all except my pay. I went from full team member to practice squad, which, you know, but it is what it is. I'm gainfully employed. So that next day, Chris Polian, who was with the Panthers, calls my agent and he was like, dude, I just saw Luther last night. And he was like, yeah, it just happened. And like 10 days later, he said, we're going to clear a roster spot and sign you. And I ended up in Carolina like 10 days later. That's wild. Yep. yep. I That's ended up in Carolina wild. 10 days later. Yeah, it was crazy how that worked out. What was coming into Carolina like? It was it was crazy because it, it was uh it was home. Mm-hmm. It was home. I grew up in Charleston. I went to I grew up in Charleston. I grew up in Hugey, South Carolina, near Charleston. I went to school at Furman. You know, this is this was home, and I was happy to be home. But I was also like, it was the reality of the NFL. What if the Panthers didn't pick me up? What if Seattle picked me up? I would have ended up. Well, on the West Coast, it could have been anybody, but that's the life of a, a football player, and especially the life of someone who isn't a star. I'm a guy who's going to be was on a near the bottom of the roster, like not your top twenty guy. It, it might be your, I don't know, I might be your thirtieth guy, fortieth guy out of fifty five. So. If we need a roster spot and someone gets hurt, could be you, Luther. When I got here, it was it was cool because it was a new environment, a new experience, and more importantly, a new stadium. Now, when I got drafted by Philly, I was playing at the Vet. If you know anything about Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia, it was one of the crappiest stadiums ever it was it was a terrible stadium it was dirty uh the the weight room was small the showers uh the showers kind of leaned to oh, towards the corner and yeah. the corners got was kind of clogged and i'm like this is gross because if, if you're if you're in a let's call let's say it's a square mm-hmm. and the bottom left is where everything drained it's 50, 50 of us. Mm-hmm. Not all of us in the shower at once, but after practice, we're all going to the shower. Yo, if you ended up near that edge over there, you got stuff draining over there. Like, hopefully nobody is peeing. But it was disgust. Like, I remember, like, kind of my first like, yeah. few, few, my first time there, and I saw that, and I was like, this is worse than Furman. And Furman as a tiny school, and I'm like, yo, I I called my cousin. I'm like, dude, the vet is worse than what how they describe. But it was our it was our secret weapon. Nobody wanted to play there. The stadium sucked. The field was hard. Uh, it was. Dude, did they still have the jail there when you were there? They did not have the jail there yet. When I first got there, they put it jail there. Uh, I forgot when it was, but yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. It was after. Was it in the new stadium? No, it was in the vet. It was in the vet. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Philly was was fun. Philly was fun. 
my understanding, so uh, Philly, Eagles 97, Carolina 98, and then I understand you go I got back to traded back, back to in Philly. 99. In 99. I spent but, 99 and 2000 back in Philly. And, and then, what was crazy is I was a free agent at the end of the year, and only two teams were had much interest in me. One was the Panthers, mm-hmm. and the other team was the Patriots. So, but I didn't get a contract offer from the Patriots. I got a contract offer from the Panthers first. Okay, so I signed with the team. I got a contract offer with mm-hmm. I. I mean, again, I wasn't a, some superstar. I I need to make the most of it. So that year, the Panthers had the worst record in the league, which was one in fifteen. We won the first game and we lost fifteen straight games. And guess who won the Super Bowl that year? The Patriots, the other team that had. I mean, they didn't offer me, but they caught, they actually spoke to my agent. So I thought that was a hell of a decision. Like, and I, but I really wanted to come home because mm-hmm. I had a house. I got traded and I had an, a house that I had just finished moving into. I didn't have a lot of furniture. I, like, it was so funny because I was single. And I, I had start me and this girl I was friends with, she decided, well, she didn't decide. We decided, like, eh, let's see if we got something going. And she came and visited me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she knows that I had practice in the morning. Well, it was the end of the preseason. And what I year got, was this? This was... Uh, before I got traded back to Philly. So this was okay. 90, 98. Mm-hmm. Wait, 97, 98, 90, 99. This was okay. the 90. Okay. I got traded that morning at practice. So I come home. Dude. She's visiting me from out of town. And you're like, you got to go. <laughs> and I'm telling her that I got to go. I'm telling her that I have to leave in a few minutes. Like I'm telling, so she's laughing because we we joked a lot. She's laughing. She's like, "Whatever, dude. What are we eating?" And I looked at her, and this is before cell phones, before mm-hmm. before uh, uh, iPads and tablets. People, we didn't even jump on and look at the internet. It was when ESPN had the crawl on the bottom of the screen. So. I freaking said, I'm serious. Let's turn the TV on ESPN. And we put it on ESPN and it finally came over. Luther brought and traded to the Eagles. And she was like, are you serious? My flight doesn't leave until, I don't know, it was like Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And that day was like Monday. And I was like, and I couldn't be more apologetic. It wasn't my fault. And I was like, you know, I'll pay to change your flight if there's a cost. My brother and my brother went to school like 10 minutes away. And I said, look, you know Reggie and Reggie will be here. Cause I, I had to leave my, my car. Like my brother had to take me to the air. It was, it was something different. Like I never gotten traded before. So, um, 
So she ended up um, going to the airport to get her uh, ticket changed. That day it was storming. Guess what happened? Oh God. Her flight got canceled. I didn't know any of this until like three, four years later because she didn't want to tell me. She was embarrassed. And she said, dude, I cried at the airport. Mm. She said it was so overwhelming. She said, when my flight got canceled, I sat down on the floor and cried. I said, no way. No way. I was like, no way. She was like, yeah, I couldn't tell you this because you would tease me because that's how our relationship was. Like, we would drag on each other all the time. We were jokesters. And that is the story of me getting traded back to Philly. So I'm like, holy cow. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, I'm still friends with her. That is funny. That's almost like kind of like a little bit of a rom-com or something. Oh, it was absolutely from a movie. Yeah. It was... That, that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. And I still tease her. I still, I still give her hell about the whole. And she said, "I, I knew I shouldn't have told you about the last part." But she was like, "Yeah, I cried." She said, "People were just looking at me, like walking by." I'm like, "You gotta be kidding!" No, that's that's a story for sure. I mean, I might. This might be an unfair question, but was there one team that you enjoyed more than the other, or were they just too different to compare? Oh, uh, it was Philly. They mm-hmm. drafted me. They acquired me. They drafted me and they traded for me. Like, come on. That's the team that drafted me. Right, right. Right? And then you go play for a team with a an enormous history. The fans there are, are insane. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes too insane. But the fans there are insane. Carolina was a new new football town. They didn't have that base yet. And Philly was nuts. Your team could suck. And they're going to pack the stadium. They're going to pack the stadium. They're going to be there. They're going to boo you. But they're going to be there. And Carolina, they were still like, you know, didn't pack the stadium for the playoffs. Like, again, it was a new it was a new team, new city. New, I'm not a new city, but a new new team for this city. So it was different. Just the history wasn't there. Yeah. The history wasn't there. Uh, I mean, not that like Carolina still, you know, that's my second squad, but Philly's my squad. I feel that. Yeah. Okay, so just to double confirm, drafted in 97, you go to Carolina in 98. Then you play Eagles 99 and 2000, and then you come back to Carolina in 01. Yeah, snip, snap, snip, snap. You watch The Office. Um, you know what's so funny? People ask me a lot. So I don't religiously watch it, but I've seen random episodes, so I do not get that. Oh, okay. Sorry. You don't. You don't get that one. Then. Yeah, I. Um, I went back and forth, Philly and Carolina. I study weird stuff. So, like, from my understanding, ninety-eight to. 2000 range is where we had a lot of drama here in town. Were you around for all of that? Oh, give me a second. Mm-hmm. So I was friends with Ray, Ruth, if that's what you're talking about. And I had gotten traded that off season. Mm-hmm. And the only weekend I came back in town 
that entire season was that weekend. Mm. And, uh, and you know, Ray and I were pretty good friends, like, but we weren't as close anymore. So that night I hung out with uh, a couple other guys on the team because I was flying back. It, so let's, it was, so I came in town Sunday because we played a, maybe a one o'clock, maybe, I, I can't remember whether it was Sunday or Monday, but I didn't have to be back for practice until Wednesday. So I, w- I was here. It was a Sunday. And I didn't have to be back in Philly until Tuesday practice. So I was going back like Monday night or whatever, something like that. So remember, every we were starting to get direct TV satellites, right? It wasn't as popular as it was now. And we didn't have local stations. On direct TV, you would have random local news. Sometimes you would have local news from Denver, from from LA, like whatever. We so you would have to have what we call rabbit ears, put the antenna on to get your local news, right? So I'm laying down in my bed. So at this time, at this point in my life, I had a cell phone. My position coach from the Panthers. I don't play for the Panthers anymore, Mm -hmm. but we kept the relationship. So he is blowing up my phone that morning, right? So I thought I'm kind of hungover. Was that kind of red flaggy that he was blowing you up? Yeah, because I was like, why is coach calling me? Mm -hmm. I don't play for the Panthers anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I had, I'm going to talk to him again in the offseason, probably when I'm back in town. But that's not your coach from your old team. They don't call you. They've got too much going on, right? So I finally answer and I'm like, coach, bro, what's up? And he's talking to me like he's my dad at this point. He's like, where are you? And I'm like, coach, I'm in my bed. I'm hungover, basically, right? And I'm like, he's like, where are you? And, and at this point, I get up. I, I perk up because I know there's something wrong because coach is like a granddad. He's just not gruff, right? So he said, were you with your boy last night? And I said, who? I said, I was with Jason and Tim. So I'm thinking Jason and Tim, like they did something, something happened. right? Like after I left and I was like, I was in Jason and Tim. He said, Luther, don't lie to me. I know Ray is your boy. Were you with them last night? And I was like, oh, no. And he, and, and, and he immediately said, so you don't know what happened? And I said, no. He said, you got one of those damn satellites, don't you? And I was like, okay, this is serious. Coach said, damn, right? He, he wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. He, said, I, he said, get up, get yourself some coffee, put your rabbit ears on and call me back. So I, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but I'm like, at this point, I pop up. And I always would have like a gallon of water. It was during, hell, when we played, I would always have water. So I grab Gatorade, grab water. I'm drinking from the gallon bottle. I get the TV on regular news and I flip in each news station. That was playing. And I called Coach back. I said, Coach, I was not with him last night. We're not as close as we used to be. Or I probably would have been. And he was like, 
Well, I think I think uh, what's his name was with them. Uh, was it Hannibal? Because Hannibal went to Colorado. He said, I, "I need to get in touch with Hannibal." And I said, "Hannibal would not have anything to do with anything like this." And he said, "Are you sure you weren't with him?" I said, "No, Coach. I promise you." He said, and then he said, "How are you?" <laughs> like, by said, the way, how you doing? He said, "You doing okay?" I said, "Yeah, Coach. I'm just in town visiting. I came to the house because I hadn't been home all season." I had to check on stuff. My brother's staying here, and I'm flying back tonight. And he said, you know, be careful, man. You know, he's like, I love you. I hope hope all is going well. Oh. Wish your season goes well, except for when you guys play us. And I was like, all right. I, yo, th- like, that was nuts. I mean... That was uh, Yeah, and especially for you to be here. So at that point, when you wake up the next morning, the incident had just happened the night before. Yes, it happened that night. I was here hanging crazy. out. It's crazy. It's and uh, it was sad. It was, it was like I, and you know, and I still talk to Ray. We weren't as tight as we used to be because we, we used to hang out all the time. But I was gone. I, was, I had gotten traded and, you know, and I was like, man, that, you know, I, I just, I was pretty speechless. And, and I remember, and, uh, when I got back to Philly, I remember Andy Reid. Andy Reid was the head coach there. Mm-hmm. Andy called me into the office. He said, Luther, from, you know, I, I called down to Carolina. And what they're saying is uh, you and Ray were pretty cool. And I said, yeah, we were. He said, every media, uh, everyone in the media wants to do an interview with you. He said, and he said it was like 2020 and somebody else had called. And I was like, what? And he said, tell me what you want to do. He's like, you're an adult. We're not in college. He said, do you want to be insulated from this or do you want to take all these interviews? And I said, Andy, I don't want to be popular or famous or involved in any of this because I I don't know anything. I was teammates and friends with Ray. And it's sad. And he said, good, we, you know, we'll, we'll keep them away from you. And I didn't do, I didn't do it. I, I, it was sad. I, what was I going to say? I was just going to repeat what everyone else said. And the thing about it is uh, the guys on the team knew that Ray and I were pretty close. So the guys in Carolina were like, hey, his best friend on the team, you know, before he left was Lou. And, and they probably were deflecting as well. They didn't want to be involved. It didn't have anything to do with them. It was pretty. It was pretty rough, though. It was because because I was also friends. You know, I was here with Fred Lane, and that and was yeah around the same time. The girl I dated in college was Fred's was was Deirdre's first cousin. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, I was with her, mm-hmm. and we both got telephone calls at the like pretty oh, much God. at the same time. So it was it was nuts. My cousin was like, "Dude, you should write a book," and I was like, "No, not. Are you crazy? I, like, no. These are tragedies. Like, I I don't want my opinion expressed on all this. It's it's not." I don't. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to answer questions. I, you don't need my opinion on this, other than I, it was sad. Like it was. It was hard. Like especially Fred. Like 
that was difficult. Mm-hmm. That was really difficult. Uh, that was difficult. And, um, but, uh, yeah, here we are years later. I'm talking about this and, uh, remembering my time with the Panthers, but it wasn't all bad, you know? I know uh, there's a lot, that's a lot. You don't just gloss over something like that. There was a lot going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, I ended up making this home. I met my wife here. Uh, So, I'm sorry, like I said, you experienced all of that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate that. It was uh, our team. It was basically our team experience that. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy that I was I I was close to people in those situations. It was mm-hmm. it was. Uh, Just, yeah, I'm sure there's no words. Oh, no words. No and you, of course, you lived here, so you were. I, I don't know how old you are, but you probably. I mean, were. I was. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, I was a kid, but I've always been like, um, I don't know, a news. Like, I've just always, as a kid, watched news, so I was, you know, very well aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But real quick, do you know um, Mike Delaney? Yeah, hey, I know Mike. Yeah, I talked. To, I connected with him last week. Oh, uh, cool, Chapel Hill guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your last season in the NFL was '01, so. You know, how, I mean, obviously beyond all the, you know, turmoil that was, you know, you had experienced in the last couple of years, what was that last season like? It was torture. That was the one in 15 season. It was George Seifert who came in and, and he had the, the highest winning percentage in the history of the league. But when you look at, at the teams he inherited, from Bill Walsh and his staff, you can tell why. But when he came here, it was it was misery. Like the people in the building just didn't really like him. He was kind of miserable. I, I don't want to be disrespectful be, because I, I think he's a Hall of Famer or whatever. He was miserable. People didn't like him, and I think they were happy to pay him to leave. And keep keep in mind. Two years later, they they went to the Super Bowl. After they fired him, two years later, they went to the Super Bowl. Two short years later, after a one in fifteen season, John Fox came and took them to the Super Bowl. Mm. It was it was tough to, and look, I bounced around. I got drafted by Philly and played for Ray Rhodes. I got signed with Carolina and played for Dom Capers. I got traded back to Philly and pay, played for Andy Reid. And then I came here and played for Seifert. And, and, and my rookie year, the offensive coordinator in Philly was John Gruden, who I like everybody. I couldn't stand that guy. I know you, like, I'm trying to refrain from using language here. He was a dick. Like, Dirk Diggler's type. He was a dick. That's one of the reasons why I ended up in Carolina because I could have stayed in Philly on the practice squad or I could have got, tried to get, get in, gotten put back up on the roster. I was so happy to leave the organization. I had the choice. I, I, was a, I was not a star 
but I had a choice. I had an option to be able to get out of misery. I was miserable under Gruden, and I was so happy to go and play for another staff and see how people actually got coached up. Like, he didn't mm. coach me up. He just talked down to me. Oh, no. And it, 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 was, it was hard to play for him. Uh, but I had a good position coach in Juan mm. Castillo. Um, but I had five, head, no, four head coaches because it was two years with Andy. Andy was easily the best. Easily, you can see why he's still coaching. You know, great, great record, great coach, Super Bowl winner. And George Seifert, out of all those guys, like I swear, we all thought he was going to be so, like so great. great, right? And to he be the was opposite, awful. He had the worst personality in the world. He was, he was just. It, it was a story where his intern was Brandon Bean, and Brandon Bean is now the GM for the for the Bills. Brandon would have to make sure that he had new pancakes being poured on the griddle. Like on game day when we were having pregame meal, and Brandon would have to call his room, and he would want his pancakes being flipped over as he was walking over and taking off the grill. And if it wasn't done right, he if it wasn't done, he would he wouldn't wait. He would wait for them to remake his pancakes. Dude, that makes my he I don't was know why, that, but that makes, type of guy. Dude, that makes my eyes water. That's wild. Like he was that guy. So he was a psychopath. <laughs> And no one, like, like, I have never seen a staff where you could kind of see the guys, see their, see the churning. On their face, yeah. What's crazy is most of the guys from that staff stayed. They were on John Fox's staff. A lot of those guys, offensive guys, when I came back, I knew most of the offensive coaches because they weren't the problem. He he would meddle like the offensive coordinator would be in the middle of play calling in the game, and he would chime in and call a play, and we'd be in a huddle in a personnel that didn't fit the play, and we we all knew it. Like at some point, we all figured it out, and we were like, "We're we're fucking doomed," and we were one in fifteen. I mean, I guess that just shows that like what an important. I mean, not to sound like. A dudo, but like, a, what an important part someone like that plays. Leadership, that, yes, yes, leadership yes, is everything, and yeah, that like it's everything. Like, I, I just, I couldn't believe that. Like, I couldn't believe that was, uh, that was him. I couldn't believe, like, well, why do you think was, he had such a good reputation? Then, do you think it's just be they like, won? Okay, if if you look, listen, I don't know what he did in San Francisco. I know he inherited. Bill Walsh's teams, mm -hmm. and he had Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. But if you look at his staffs, uh, let, let's look at uh, George Seifert's staff in, in, in San Francisco, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one, one that I know is Mike Holmgren was one who is a Super Bowl winner. Here is his coaching tree. You've got on his coaching tree, uh, George Seifert. 
coaching staff. He had on his staff Steve Mariucci. He had Mike Holmgren. He had Ray Rhodes on his staff. He had a young uh, John Gruden on his staff. He had, what's the guy's name that coached? Dick Geron on his staff. He had so many people on his staff that became Super Bowl winning head coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, you just always wonder, just because I love to psychoanalyze anybody, is that like, were you just, you know, not saying him, but just anyone, or it's like, were you always kind of a miserable piece of shit or did something? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or did something change halfway through your life that made you that way? You know? Well, I, I think he he was... There's some people are are arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they're, when they're successful, that just adds to it. Look, I don't know the guy. No, I, I understand. I, I understand. just don't know the guy. I, I, I can just... I'm, I'm talking about my experience. Right. right. And my experience, it was miserable mm-hmm. but I wasn't the only one like I'm looking out there and I'm like man this is you can just see the guys you can see see it turning like people don't like that guy yeah that's that's I said I and like I said I haven't been doing this long and I've you know this is not the first time I have heard that as well so you are definitely not the only one who experienced that so like I said I'm you know I hate to hear anyone getting you know treated awful but I think it's like a little tug a little bit tugger on my heart that it was you know here in Carolina so yeah oh Mike Shanahan Mike Shanahan was was on that staff as well that staff was stacked yeah, he uh but whatever. I mean, he won and he he's a legend out there. He's also an asshole. So mm-hmm. that You can be both at once. You know, you, you can, can be, be both, both things. At, yeah, you can be both things. Okay, so after your NFL essentially, so you felt like your NFL career kind of ended on a sour note here. Well, yeah, kind of, but you know, I make the most of my opportunities. It, it mm-hmm. is what it is, but that season I was hurt and I played the entire season with a shoulder injury. And after the season, I finally had surgery. And that was the beginning of the end because I didn't have an off season to train properly. I signed with the Bears. I was still rehabbing. I got cut from the Bears. The next year, I ended up getting cut from the Packers. And that was it. But I just don't have a lot of regrets. I, I you know, do I wish I may have been possibly born 10 years later when people use tight ends, multiple tight ends or smaller pass receiving tight ends more. Sure. But it is what it is. Um, No, I get that, but that's a positive attitude. And also think if you were born 10 years later, no way would you have met all the same people, right? No. And then I, I, you, I would have been doing different things as well. So it's, uh, it's um, it is what it is. It worked out for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, another thing that I'm fascinated and interested by is so, um, and I'm sure there's no way to put it in a nutshell. But what is that like when you transition over to like, you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 different because listen, we we don't just 
spend four, four, five, six years of playing football and then it's it's done. Mm-hmm. You start playing football when you're a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, most people are done in high school. You still have years of football. For me, I started playing when I was a freshman in high school, which is crazy. I quit the band to play football and I broke my collarbone the second day I ever played football in my life. Nuts. So I played football in, in, in college. Uh, high school, then college, then I ended up getting drafted. I'm, this is, that was like, I don't know, 13, 14 years straight of football. There wasn't the only, the not uh, being in the NFL. It was not playing a competitive sport. It was just, it, it was different and I had to get used to it. And it was also, that was how I made a living. So it was like, okay, now I've got this gap in my resume of five, of seven years. I can't fill this gap in with anything. Like now I have to find a job, figure out what I want to do. And I, and, and I was going through a divorce. So that kind of sucked, but it was like, I, I probably, if I go back on, I, I should have, I would have coached. But who the hell knows, you know, who knows how that would have gone. So it was, the, the transition is, it's, it's hard. Because you go from, you go from working out every day for a living. Even in the off season, I'd get up in the morning and work out five hours a day. Because someone else wants my job. Um, so if I'm not prepared to do it, I got to, you know, someone else is going to take it to let's find a job. <laughs> let's fit in. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's a professional organization. Uh, that's not a locker room where you're just screwing around, having fun. Some crude jokes that, you know, just doesn't happen in, a, in an office space. Um, traveling. You have the an off season where you you basically need to stay in shape. I can stay in shape and f- traveling to Florida. I can work out every morning in Florida. I could work out every morning in L.A. as long as I'm working out. And the off season is free, so you have all this freedom. And now it's like you're gonna take a pay cut more than likely, and you don't have all this freedom. And whatever else is going on in your life, for me, I was going through a divorce and all that stuff. And it was a difficult time. So, yeah. So, you, I mean, I guess I know this is corny, but like any advice for any any professional athletes that are have to make that change, or is there not no nothing you can really do to prepare for it? It just happens. Well, the the only advice that I I, I have for people is that the NFL is doesn't last long. It's never what you. When I got drafted, I thought. This is going to be 10 years. I'm going to be a star. I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm not going to have to work. That's, but that's how you got there. You got there with confidence. You feel like you're going to be great. You're going to do this, that, the other, because that's how you got there in the first place, right? And then it's over. It's like pulling a Band-Aid off and it's done. So my advice to anyone is prepare from day one. Just prepare from day one that this thing could be over. Start planning. Don't 
don't sell yourself short. Have the understanding that this could, and even if you're great, you can get it, you can be injured. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Can I, I know I've gone over the two o'clock mark. Can I ask you one more question? Well, yeah, sure. So I always like to end on like a funky out of the box vibe. So mm-hmm. was wondering if you had ever seen a ghost or something spiritual that you can share. No, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that's like wild, but I love that question. I'm thinking, I don't think I've, no. That's okay. Um, <laughs> it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think I'll be off guard with that one. No, I'm, I'm really thinking of anything that's happened, but uh-uh. That's cool. Yeah. No, you? <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> Once, ironically, in Charleston, in the last three or four years, um, it seemed I thought he looked just like you and I, looked to be in Civil War attire. I thought, oh, Charleston's weird. He's just reenacting, whatever. Um, and he was walking past me. We're on a one-way street. Walking, 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 walking. It's going to pass me. Um, and he was gone. And I always tell people, I think the weirdest thing was, and again, there was nowhere for him to go. There was nowhere for him to go. It was broad daylight. But I always tell people the weirdest thing was that I like blocked it out of my psyche for a few years until I started asking people about it. So I always say that's that was the weirdest part. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. It, yeah, I mean, I don't, he legit looked like he was from like my social studies book. Um, holy cow. You're like, all right, Katie, good talking to you. <laughs> no, I know. I know. So I just, I love asking people that, but. Well, shoot, we can end on that note, huh? I know, right? Well, Luther, what'd you think? Like I said, this was, I loved it. Did you have fun? It was a good time. Um, you know, I've done some, uh, podcasts or interviews where it was like pulling teeth, and I'm like, dude, I'm not the host. I had one where I'm like, it was there was so much dead silence, and I'm like, bro, you're the host. Where are we going next? And um, it was tough, and I'm not, I'm not mean. I'm like, but I'm like, I'm like I told you earlier, I'm blunt. I. I didn't, and I should have, but I I didn't feel like, um, I didn't know how I could say that, telling him how to do his job without being rude. So I just didn't say it, but but I'm like, and he asked me to do it again, and I was like, I politely declined. I'm like, at that that time, I was like, bro, there's no, you don't have any questions. Like, you just... You get on there and you say something and then that's it. And I'm like, bro, you got to, you got to. I said, if you're asking, you're not asking, but I'm like, dude, you got to change what you, you should probably watch some other podcast or contact someone who's experienced and just, and I, I was nice about it, but I'm like, bro, you can't have a podcast and and call me on and, and I go, hey, I'm doing Luther's show for the day. My guest is Katie Black. Hey, Katie, um, 
Looks like the, the Eagles won this weekend. That was a good job. And then you go and you say, yeah, it was a good job. We're now 5-0. and I love what the team is doing, blah, blah, blah. And then he just looks at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, podcasting is, a, I always tell people, podcasting is the wild, wild west. So God only knows, you know, I, I think that's always like a positive thing. Like anybody could have a show. So that literally means. Anybody could anybody. have a show and anybody and, and any and everybody has a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the rose and the thorn with, yeah. this, with this industry. Um, but like I said, Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I'm glad you had a good time. I always try to tell people it's conversational. It's fun. It's whatever. It's stream of conscious, you know. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I was cool. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.